deadline or deadline for the Toronto Blue Jays. Hello and welcome to episode 219 of section 138. The trade deadline has officially passed as of about 29-30 minutes ago as we record this. And we have so much to talk about, starting with how bizarre it was from start to finish for the Blue Jays. And there is a lot to break down. Bryson, Jacob, lots of new Blue Jays, probably not the Blue Jays that people wanted them to be at this point in the season. How are you guys? Doing good. Uh, However, this was definitely a, I don't want to say random trade deadline, but maybe the way it ended for the Blue Jays, kind of a random way to end things. A bizarre day. I think the one thing that's set in stone is this was something that I don't think any of, or this went or at least not what we expected it to go, I should say. It just felt like a lot of the things that we were talking about prior to this, we were picturing this to go a lot in a, you know, just different than what it did today, despite obviously uh, the trade with the Marlins. But either either way, um, I think, you know, we're going to talk about it obviously in terms of if we liked it or not. Maybe the Jays didn't make as much as people wanted, but in terms of, I just I guess, baseball in general, obviously lots of trades today too. We knew the Juan Soto deal happened today too, so... Despite the Jays' day, I guess, in terms of being a little bit underwhelming, if you want to call it that, definitely a crazy day, I guess, just in the world of baseball. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily what everybody expected, but I'll say it right now, I'll take it. You know, there were a few names that I would have liked to see, a few names that I think a lot of people would have liked to see, but for what it is, I think the trade deadline was quite frankly, I mean, relatively speaking, I think you can call it a success. and. At this point, the Blue Jays now have, I guess, 30 minutes until a game against the what is it, the Tampa Bay Rays, so, and they start a nine-game homestand. So, obviously, none of these guys are going to be on the roster yet, but it, it's overall, it was an interesting trade deadline, and now this is it. Like, there's no more non-waiver de- deadlines or anything, and I think now it's just time to make a push for the playoffs with who you've uh, who you've added to your team. You said you'll take it. I disagree. I'm not taking this. This is uh, not a great deadline for the Blue Jays. And, you know, we were sitting there yesterday when people were freaking out about what the Blue Jays were or weren't doing. And this morning when people were freaking out about what the Blue Jays weren't doing. And, you know, an hour ago when people were freaking out about what the Blue Jays weren't doing. And the entire time the mantra from us, from a lot of people, was chill out. Wait, the deadline is 6 p.m. for a reason. It seems like the Blue Jays have something up their sleeves. And it, I, the other shoe just never fell. There was never another side, another trade that was going to happen. And yeah, it's strange. I don't, I'm not, I, this wasn't a terrible deadline. I just, it's very strange. And I don't think it fits the position that the Blue Jays are in right now. So let's start with first impressions of this deadline. And you know, those are my immediate thoughts. But I think to me, what this deadline signals is that the Blue Jays are not trying to win this year. And that's not to say they're not trying to get into the postseason this year, because that's obviously clear. They're already in a playoff spot. They made deals that improve the team right now. But if you look at what other competitive teams do, and, you know, the Mariners acquiring Luis Castillo and a couple other guys down the line, I'm going to forget everyone's names in this podcast because it seems like every single player move to a different team. Mariners getting Luis Castillo, the Yankees getting a million players, including right at the deadline, Harrison Bader, and sending Jordan Montgomery the other way. Um, You have the Twins making big moves. You have the Phillies making big moves. You have all these teams making big moves. And the Blue Jays improved their team, but they did not improve it enough to keep pace with all these other teams, let alone gain ground on these other teams. I think if we go back to what the Blue Jays were a week ago compared to other teams, and now look at who they are now compared to other teams, even though they are a better team, they're worse in relation to these other teams. And to me, that tells me they're not trying to win the World Series this year. They're not trying to go all the way. I think they've kind of accepted that it doesn't make sense to fork over a million prospects for someone who's not going to be here next year. It doesn't make sense to sell the farm if it doesn't improve the team long term because odds are no matter how much you do this season, you aren't winning the World Series. You are going to run into the New York Yankees at some point. You are going to run into the Houston Astros at some point. You are going to run into the Los Angeles Dodgers at some point. And no matter how much you do at this point, 
it's going to cost a crazy amount of prospects and a crazy amount of current major league talent to get your team to that place, to a position where you can beat those two teams. So to me, this deadline was the Blue Jays saying, we're going to improve the team, but we're not going to improve it only for this season. We're going to improve for years to come and make it so that, yes, we're not making a real push this season for the World Series, but we're set up better for years to come. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I I guess mentally, yes, it makes sense to pursue a better future instead of a better season this year because the Blue Jays aren't the best team this year. This is not the best shot they're going to have at winning the World Series. But at the same time, to tell this roster that has just gone 12-3 and over their last 15 games, that just fired their manager two weeks ago and has since turned the boat around, that we're not going to be dumping in all these prospects and going all in on this season because we believe in this group, that's a tough sell for the Blue Jays to take. So those are my immediate thoughts, probably a bit emotional. I don't know if I'll stick by them in the next couple of weeks, but that's what I'm feeling right now when we're just learning from Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun that the Blue Jays are officially done for the trade deadline. There's going to be no buzzer beaters coming in, even though we are now 35 minutes removed from the official deadline. And the Blue Jays just made the Whit Merrifield trade official. Merrifield going to the Blue Jays in exchange for Mas Castillo and Samad Taylor. And, sorry, just to wrap this whole rant up, let's recap all the trades the Blue Jays make. They get Anthony Bass and Zach Pop from the Miami Marlins in exchange for Jordan Groshans. They get Whit Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for Samad Taylor and Max Castillo. They get Mitch White from the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for Nick Frazzo and Moises Brito. They also get Alex DeJesus in that deal from the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then, sorry, going back to the original trade, Anthony Bassack Pop, they also get a player to be named later in all that. And at the buzzer, the Blue Jays trading away Jeremy Beasley for cash considerations from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Lots of names, lots of thoughts, lots of emotions right now. How are you guys viewing the trade deadline 35 minutes after? So I think there's two ways that you can look at it. And you brought up the first part in that this isn't telling the team that we're not trying to win now is a fair argument saying we didn't necessarily go out and get that Barrios that you did last season. And he's now obviously going to be here for a long time, but you didn't do that. You went out and minimally improved the team in relation to how much other teams improved themselves. But I think the other way you can look at it, and I think that this is a very real thing to consider, but I think the other thing to look at is I think the Blue Jays don't think that they need those huge acquisitions in order to make the playoffs, almost like they trust the team. And maybe that's the wrong perspective to take. Maybe you should go out and try to get that big name player. But I do have to say, especially for the bullpen, you look at Zach Pop and Anthony Bass, it's almost similar to the the trades they made last season with guys like Simber and Richards, how you bring them in, but they're not only there for that season or those last two months or three months, however long you, or however early that you make that trade. They're, you're building a, more than just like your your core of superstars. You're trying to build a complete roster and then maybe next year they go out <clears throat> and get that huge player <clears throat> like right at the deadline, try to make that push for the playoffs. But I, I could be totally wrong here, but I think that this was... speaking independently of anything else from the Blue Jays, it's considered a success just in the sense that you're not necessarily breaking the bank for this season. You're keeping the guys that you need. You're slightly adding, keeping guys in the, on the team for a while. Then you can make a big push in next, in the years, future years. And it's not really like if you win this season or don't win, then it's the end of that competitive window. You still have 2023 till I don't know, maybe 27 or, something like that, at least towards the end of the decade. It still, I I think the one only thing that I'm a little bit iffy about is, to me, Whit Merrifield, I'm not really sure why you go out and get him as your last-minute deal. Like He could turn things around. He could be a lot better. This season, definitely not what I think people expect out of him. Only, quickly look here, only, you know, definitely below his career numbers. Average is below league average, 240. Only 42 RBIs, six home runs. So really not what you've expected out of him. But it's, I guess, 
what they're trying to do is say that we just want depth and the argument you could make is he is better than Bradley Zimmer although he is a right-handed batter and that's not really what they were trying to do but I don't know this is the one deal where I'm thinking I don't really know why you go out and do it and I'm sure we'll get into it later there's a few things that are going to happen or at least have to happen in order for him to play in Toronto but other than that deal I think I can say that I understand why you go out and make all of these deals you want to get bullpen help I don't think a guy like Josh Hader is necessarily who you go out and get you know you don't really need a, a closer you know a lights out closer at least at least but I think overall it was a good trade deadline and you go and you get relievers you get the guys that can get you into the playoffs but not just this season you still have a lot of them next season you still have the guys that you acquired last trade deadline for next season and who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to win this season. No matter what the teams say, obviously, they can plan for the future. But you're trying to win this year. But you still can build on this core and be a lot better next season. And I'm not even focusing on next season. Like, we can worry about the offseason when that comes. But just for this season, I think you have to consider it at least to some extent a success in the sense that they believe in this core. And they think that just those minimal acquisitions can help you bring bring yourself into the playoffs. And... I could be totally wrong, but I think I think that's at least something you have to consider in understanding why the team made the moves that they did and why they didn't make other moves. Yeah, this was the opposite of a successful trade deadline, in my opinion. I'm with you on this one, Mark. It just disappointment, I think, is the word I would use a little bit, and of course, underwhelming is the other word I use for it. I don't like the logic of saying, "Okay, we're not going to win it this year." Let's load up for next year and waste the rest of 2022. I don't like that at all. Um, it just it feels like they're the Blue Jays were the only team kind of in this wild card race, or even in just I guess if you want to include the AL East race with the Yankees that had this similar approach. You mentioned it uh, in terms of different teams in the American League wild card race. The Tampa Bay Rays still get better. I mean, they got a couple pieces here and there. They got David Peralta um, from the Arizona Diamondbacks and a few other moves. The Seattle Mariners, you mentioned it with Luis Castillo. They traded their top three of their five prospects for this guy who currently trail the Blue Jays by two games. You see a team like the Minnesota Twins have an outstanding deadline. You're getting Jorge Lopez from the Baltimore Orioles. You're getting uh, Taylor My or Taylor Miley uh, from the Cincinnati Reds, and you're getting a bunch of other arms here to make, I guess, a team, especially in the AL Central where the division's wide open, to be in a much better position. Uh, and then, of course, the Houston Astros is another team that come to mind. You get Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles. All of these teams, just and especially the Astros, and if you want to include the Yankees too, because they make their bullpen better, they get Frankie Montas, um, they, get, they get much better too, despite how good they've been this year especially the Astros and Yankees in particular, the top two teams in the American League, they are a better team now than what they were a week ago. And that is saying something because of how good of a season both of those teams have had. These are all other teams in terms of the Twins, the Mariners, the Rays, who got better and are still you know, in it with the Blue Jays, and of course. And these are teams who were a lot more aggressive uh, than the Blue Jays, and that's why I don't like the approach of saying, okay, we're not gonna go all in this year. We're gonna we're gonna do it next year. I don't like the idea of wasting a window or a year of your window this year. You had the you know we we know the hype that came into this year in terms of World Series expectations. There were tons of expectations, and for you to tell me that this was a, a successful deadline because the Jays didn't break the bank uh, for their farm system, just so they can be cautious this year and look forward to next year, um, I think I think it's flat out wrong uh, it, to be as respectful as possible. And then, of course, to add on to that, from what you were saying in the opening, Mark, is that how do you tell this roster who just went on this 12-3 and run that, oh, we're not going to break the bank this year, we're not going to go all in this year, we're just going to play it out for the rest of the season, maybe go into the winter being a little bit more aggressive after the season ends. I don't like that approach whatsoever. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of saying this was a successful deadline whatsoever. This was just flat out something that I thought we had a different expectation for. You know, we saw the names throughout or, flo or float throughout the world uh, or pretty much through the rumors today. I mean, there was another name, for example, Noah Syndergaard. There's Frankie Montas. These are all names that the Jays were in on. There was David Robertson from the Cubs. There was Ian Hatt from the Cubs. Um, there was tons of names that could have been a fit for this team. There was Rizal Iglesias as well from the Angels um, in terms of the Noah Syndergaard thing. And they managed to, I guess, just I, to quite frankly, miss on all of these guys. I understand the asking price was high, 
But to see teams like this, and pretty much what I said earlier, making these moves, making these improvements, and if you want to kind of just expand this beyond the American League, look at the another team like the Atlanta Braves with Alex Anthopoulos making tons of moves once again, you know, getting that roster better in terms of a World Series run again this October. You're in a tough division with the New York Mets who have been pretty much leading the way the entire year. You're trying to load up for the uh, the postseason as well. And then, of course, the team that stole the show today in terms of the San Diego Padres, in terms of all the moves they made throughout the weekend, all of these teams had a very similar approach of being aggressive, being all in, because guess what? When you are a competitive team and you have World Series expectations, all in should be a must every year. So unless we got the wrong impression of where the Jays were this year, perhaps you're correct, Mark. Maybe they don't think this is the year for them, but... Just to sit back here, I would say three, four months after we came in on opening day expecting a World Series, expecting 100 wins, and to kind of just backtrack now and say, you know what, this isn't the year, we're just going to try and make the playoffs. I understand making the playoffs is one thing and anything can happen in the playoffs, but the players were expecting a little bit more too. We saw a couple of other reports about that today. Just to sit back and not try and improve as much as you... And the best part is, I think, is that the Jays could have made a lot of these trades to get better. And just to sit back and kind of let other teams not leapfrog you, because obviously, again, the Jays are still the first wildcard team, but to get better while you really didn't get better other than in one area, then I find it a disappointment. Of course, the one thing, of co- um, I guess the one takeaway, the good takeaway that you can pretty much come away from today is that the bullpen, of course, without a question, is a lot better. You got... Um, you got velocity coming, which was good with the trade with the Miami Marlins. Um, and you have a familiar face like Anthony Bass coming back. Uh, Zach Pop, both guys who have velocity. Uh, Anthony Bass is somebody who has pretty much really changed his the way he's pitched since he was here in 2020. He gets strikeouts. Zach Pop, on the other end, doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but his velocity is up there. So for the bullpen, you get what you were missing. But just at the same time, and then of course the way it ended today with with Merrifield, the only thing that comes to mind for me and the only thing that makes sense is the uncertainty with George Springer. Of course, that was something that was pretty much kind of circulating right at the last minute because of his elbow injury. You know, you see it tonight again on the Monday or the Tuesday game, sorry. He's out of the lineup once again. So Whit Merrifield comes over, just a random name to begin with. A uh, whole vaccine situation with him. We don't know. Uh, we assume he's going to be getting vaccinated at this point if he's going to be coming over here. But this was a name that none of us imagined. None of us had any prediction of. He's a right-handed at bat. Um, yeah, he's definitely better than Bradley Zimmer. But at the same time, you know, a right-handed at bat, somebody who's not having the greatest year. You can see why they did it. I'm fine with it, but at the same time, for a team with World Series aspirations at the beginning of this year, um, I was just expecting a little bit more aggressiveness, and I think, really, quite frankly, for most of the fan base, they were expecting the same thing. So unless we were all wrong, and we got the wrong impression of where things stood today, that's one thing on us, but at the other, on the other hand, just to see other teams get better or try and get better on paper, while... You did in a way, but you didn't do it to your full potential. I think that's what makes it disappointing and disappointing and underwhelming uh, from my eyes. Yeah, I genuinely think we may have had the wrong impression of what the Blue Jays front office is trying to do right now. Because based off the moves they made, the Blue Jays are not trying to win a World Series this year. Or maybe their philosophy is make it to the playoffs, get into the dance, and anything can happen. And let's just try to get into the playoffs as many years in a row as possible and just test our luck from that point forward. See what happens. Go the Atlanta Braves route. They won 89 games last year. They won the World Series because they got hot at the right time. And part of that is true. I mean, it is true that the team that is hottest in October has the best chance of winning the World Series, whether they were the best team in the regular season or not. But that doesn't mean the team that gets into the playoffs most years in a row is going to have the best shot of winning the World Series because the best team talent-wise is going to have the best shot of winning the World Series. So it's frustrating to see this philosophy if that is what the Blue Jays are thinking. And to be clear, like I still think they're making the playoffs. They still did improve their team and kept up at least enough with the other teams in the wildcard race to still get into the dance. And yeah, like I said, once you're in the dance, anything can happen. It's just frustrating to see them not try to get to that, you know, hashtag next level, improve to the point where you can compete with the Yankees, where you can compete with those teams. And like, yeah, it's tough. 
when the Yankees are going out and getting all these top players, it's tough to justify keeping up with them. I just, I think we all expected more and there was room for them to do more. It didn't have to be a trade for a Frankie Montas. It didn't have to be a giant deal for someone like Rezo Iglesias, who's, you know, got a four-year, $58 million contract left. Like, it doesn't have to be huge blockbuster trades like that. It can be something that's more in the middle. It can be a Noah Syndergaard. It can be a, you know, Carlos Rodon, as much as his asking price we heard was pretty high. Like, it can be something more mainstream instead of taking these giant swings. But it's frustrating the fact that it wasn't more than what appears to be, at least on the face of it, small moves. And I'm not saying I disagree with these individual moves, because I think you take all of these individual moves in isolation, and every single one of them is a good deal, in my mind, for the Blue Jays. And even when you put them together, I think in the abstract, in a vacuum, it's a good trade deadline for the Blue Jays. But I think the problem is, when you compare it to what other teams did. This was one of the craziest trade deadlines we've had in recent memory. You have Juan Soto going. You have top players from teams around the league moving. You have teams that are retooling like the Red Sox and teams that are surprise sellers like the Orioles and and the Brewers as well in that mix. Like You have pieces flying all over the place. So while the Blue Jays did well in isolation, I think, you compare them to what went on in the rest of the league And that's where you start to see the failures of this team. So let's break down each trade individually because there is a lot that went on and a lot of nuances to each of these deals that we should pick apart. Um, I guess we can go chronologically. Let's start with the Marlins deal. The Blue Jays getting Anthony Bass, Zach Pop, and a player to be named later from the Miami Marlins in exchange for Jordan Groshans. Um, I like this deal a lot. Again, I like all the deals in isolation. Um, Anthony Bass having a phenomenal season. We know we're familiar with him from his time in Toronto in 2020. Didn't have a great 2020, didn't have a great 2021, but he's really cleaned it up this year. Um, 1.41 ERA or class. I think it's 40-ish appearances out of the Miami bullpen. And um, what I'm most excited about out of this trade is Zach Pop because first off, he's a Canadian kid from Brampton. Um, second off, he's got the velocity Um, He can hit 99 with his fastball. He normally sits around 96.5, or at least he has this season. Um, The biggest part of this deal, Zach Pop is under control through 2027, or into 2027. That's when he becomes a free agent. Um, That's a big deal for the Blue Jays to get all those years of control out of a guy who has so far in his major league career show high velocity and high potentially as an ERA in the mid threes right now for Miami in a couple of appearances. I think it's around 18 or 20 for him this season. For the Blue Jays to get someone like that, I think is very good. And again, this goes back to what I mentioned earlier. It seems like they're building the bullpen out for years to come, not for this year, because Zach Pop is someone who's going to be good for years to come, but maybe not might not factor in so much this season. So I'm a fan of this deal and that doesn't mention the player to be named later either. I think, you know, probably won't be a big piece as we've come to learn with most player to be named later, but it's another piece coming in for the Blue Jays. And meanwhile, they're only sending out Jordan Groshans who I say only he's a top prospect in the Jays system and a top prospect overall in major league baseball. But I think his stock has fallen this year. The power never came for him. He isn't having a great season um, in AAA Buffalo, so I'm fine with it. I like this deal, and again, in isolation, I like all these deals, but I think this deal will help the Blue Jays this year, and, and it, it'll shore up the bullpen for sure. See, this is why I was considering the trade deadline to be a success. Now, you guys bring up a good point. It's relatively unsuccessful compared to other teams, but when you look at this team specifically and their bullpen even more specifically, it got a lot better today. And not even just for this season, for the next couple seasons. And it's it's one where you really can't complain. Like, yeah, you mentioned it. You know, they now get rid of, in t- two off seasons or, or two trade deadlines in a row, they get rid of Austin Martin and, and now Jordan Groshans. But I'm okay with this. Like, even if you do give up Jordan Groshans, you think that that's a little bit too much of, a, of, of an asking price. I think that the one thing we've learned with the Blue Jays is they can afford to do it. And we, I think we discussed this maybe a couple of months back or a couple of weeks. 
but they have the prospect capital that they're willing to trade and they're willing to to eat away at that in order to improve the team and for these two relievers it's something that you have to at least consider to be successful and you know he is you know look at Zach Pop specifically 25 so he'll be into his you know, close to 30s into his 30s towards that so potentially you're getting him for his prime and then or at least the you know maybe the tail end of his prime and same thing with Anthony Bass we've obviously seen him and I think it was Anthony Bass, Rafael Dolis, and Jordan Romano who all split time closing in that 2020 season. So if we know what we can expect out of him. Obviously, he, like you mentioned, changed a little bit since that last season. Only few appearances, if I look here. Only 26 back in 2020 with the Blue Jays. But still, he's been consistent for the Miami Marlins. You know, you're going to get overall good ERA out of him, at least specifically this season. It's something that you have to at least consider to be successful, and this is why I think that the the approach to the deadline could have, as you guys mentioned, could have been a lot better, but if you're looking at the Blue Jays specifically, this bullpen is now a lot better, and you're now not necessarily starved for trying to find players that can go and, and take out innings, because if one guy struggles, like you know, we've seen a, a couple weeks back when I think Jordan Romano was not feeling too well, I think he was injured or whatever it was you had a bit of an absence you saw Adam Simber then take over the closer role but then they lose Ross Stripling and yeah those are two big pieces but now you have extra pieces in that bullpen and even specifically today or, or just before I think who was it Matt Gage was called back up like this bullpen is a lot better now and it's not the hugest asking price like when you think about it say you get Anthony Bass you know for the duration of his contract and then you get Zach Pop until he becomes a free agent. I think it's fair to say that, but say you get good seasons out of both of them until they leave. For just one player, and plus a player to be named later is what you get in return for just one prospect, I, you have to at least consider that to be a success. Yeah, um, that's the one thing. I guess the the only I, the notable thing was this Marlins deal, of course, and yes, the, the bullpen does get better. If it is enough, I think that's another question that should be raised. If Despite them getting better, of course, and they are better um, from what you're saying, but I still don't know if it's enough. But, of course, we're going to take it, and it, is, it puts them in a much better position, obviously, throughout the later innings and kind of just mishmashing between different you know, leverage roles for these guys and bringing in more velocity, bringing in more strikeouts. I mentioned Anthony Bass, a name that we're all very familiar with back in 2020 when he was here. Um, he was pretty much serving as part of the closer throughout the year when Ken Giles went down uh, with his Tommy John surgery. So he's one of the unique players, I guess, that was here through the duration of the last two years who never has appeared in a game in Toronto at all yet. So he's eventually going to finally get that opportunity a couple years later. Uh, we know that he did leave the Jays in tw 20, the 2021 offseason to sign the deal with the Miami Marlins, and he is under contract for next year with the team option. So you get one more year with him on that one. And I mentioned it earlier on is that he is a different you know, not totally different, but he has changed some things up since um, be or going to the Marlins and coming back now. Just in terms of his pitch usage, we know that he uses a slider a lot more effectively. And of course, once again, just being at the top of the league in terms of the strikeout rates, the chase rates, uh, velocity. And that is the biggest thing, of course, that the Jays were missing. And of course, Zach Pop, it's always exciting to have another Canadian on the team. That's now the second uh, Blue Jays reliever in the bullpen to be a Canadian. So that's pretty cool about that as well. So the strikeouts also, I mentioned earlier, aren't there uh, pretty much compared to Anthony Bass at all. But the velocity is there. And uh, I think the one thing about him, too, is that he gives up a lot of ground balls, which is a good thing, of course. And if, and I believe a sinker is his dominant pitch about or with that. So that's going to be interesting to see uh, how... I guess effective he is out of this bullpen as well. And I mean, Anthony Bass, going back to him quickly again, uh, 141 ERA, it's been a great year for him. These are good additions to the bullpen right now, much better from what they had, of course. And then, you know, the player you give up in Jordan Groshans, I think the one thing that was very noticeable with him, despite him being a top-ranked prospect, is that he had a lot of, or he had similar issues that the team had with Austin Martin last year. And the fact, and that was just the, the lack of power that was pr produced from Groshan. So that's the one downfall from him. Of course, he's still going to be a pretty good player, obviously, I think, based on what he's projected to be. He was always that guy that we just knew 
inevitably he was going to get traded. We always had him included in packages or mock trades going back to last year, two years ago, you know, throughout off seasons. It just felt like this was something where despite his talent, despite his position, it was never going to work out here because of course, you know, guys like Bobachet at shortstop. And of course the infield you have now, it just, there was never room for him. And then of course it was easy or easier to move on from him just because of the fact that he isn't, uh, just he isn't hitting for power. I believe his slugging percentage this year is just 296. Um, and that's in over 67 games with Triple A Buffalo with one home run. That's the one concern. That's the one flaw. And we know that baseball these days, you need power. And that's the pretty much, I guess, one of the reasons why the Jays did part with him on that one. So a good deal from them. This was obviously the highlight of today. You get two good arms for a prospect that was never going to have room here. And um, you're, you're much better in terms of velocity. It's what you needed. Is it enough? I think that's a question that we can maybe pose throughout the, the later half of the year and kind of reevaluate this when the time comes to see um, if it was enough truly. But it's definitely something that they didn't have now that, that they have more access to now. Anthony Bass, a familiar name. Zach Pop, a Canadian kid. It seems like a really good fit for both of these guys to come back here, or at least for Anthony Bass to come back here and be part of this bullpen. Yeah, I mean, again, in isolation, good deal that I think all of us are happy with. Um, let's move on to the next deal. This one's interesting. It generated a lot of questions from the minute we heard the name, and that was Mitch White. I don't think it's a name any of us were familiar with. I don't think it was a name many Jays fans are familiar with, but he is a starter slash reliever for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Blue Jays acquired White along with Alex DeJesus from the Dodgers in exchange for Nick Frazzo. And Moises Brito. Moises Brito is not a name I was familiar with. I don't know really anything about him as a Jays prospect, but I know Frazzo was, I think, one of the picks in the 2020 draft for the Blue Jays. Um, I think he was towards the bottom of their top 30 list, or towards the middle, I guess. I think he was 16th overall in the Jays system. Um, The Blue Jays and Mitch White are getting a guy who has transitioned into the Dodgers rotation this year. And first off, just saying guy in the Dodgers rotation should be an indication of how good he is because we know that the Dodgers are a dominant team and have a great rotation. He's been pretty good out of the rotation. He has a 3.66 ERA this season, or excuse me, 3.66 ERA in 2021 out of the bullpen. 10 starts this season, 3.47 ERA, 1.264 whip. Um, the big part of this, again, I think is the team control. He's under team control until 2028. He's 27 years old. That's going to take him through all his prime in the major leagues and potentially after that. Um, the prospect that they're getting is Alex DeJesus. He's a number 19 guy at the start of the season for the Dodgers in their system. Don't know much about this guy, but when you think Nick Frazzo, number 16 guy, Alex DeJesus, number 19 guy, Dodgers system is really good. Blue Jays system is pretty good. It's probably a pretty equal trade in terms of prospects there. So again, I I think this deal is less impressive, I guess, than the Marlins deal. You look at the Marlins deal and I can get myself excited about that deal. I can see the upside in that with someone like Zach Pop who I mentioned I really love. I really love that he's now officially a Blue Jay. And someone like Anthony Bass, who's been so good this season. Mitch White, I think it's harder to see and harder to get excited about. You can see the good stuff, right? You can see the ERA out of the rotation, whether the Blue Jays end up moving someone like Kikuchi to the bullpen or Stripling to the bullpen, or they roll with a six-man rotation, or White becomes that long guy out of the bullpen. Whatever they do, you can see the value he adds to this team. I just think it's harder to get excited for a trade like this than it is about someone like Zach Pop, who so clearly fits the Blue Jays' needs for year to come, and someone like Anthony Bass, who so clearly solves Toronto's problems this year. So, good deal. A little bit less exciting in my mind than the Marlins trade. Yeah, it's definitely a much smaller scale deal, and to... To say that it's a smaller deal, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad trade. It, it's one that I think anybody would take. And as you mentioned now, I think, unfortunately, unless things change, you're probably not going to hear from Nate Pearson the rest of the season. So we can count him out. Now you have extra room in that bullpen, in that rotation. You can 
wiggle guys through, put them wherever you need them to. Maybe you keep Stripling in the in the rotation, move him, move Kikuchi, but it's not a terrible move. You now have one extra guy, one guy that you know is putting up, I guess, similar-ish numbers to guys like Kikuchi, although better than Kikuchi, but similar to what I think you can expect out of Kikuchi and Stripling. It, I think it's comparing a, this guy to Kikuchi is not fair at all. Because no, no, what I sorry. I well, I first off, I think he's better on the field, but also. Like, he's under team control until 2028. This is basically the equivalent of the Blue Jays calling up, like, a prospect, and they get five years of team control out of it. Yeah. No, what I mean is it's more of giving, or more of comparing those similar roles. Like, that fifth starter, maybe you put him in the bullpen. It's somebody that you can have in that role. And it's not a terrible trade, but it's it definitely, I think if if you're part of the people that wanted more blockbuster trades or that, really big trade like last season we saw with Barrios, then I, I understand why you consider this to be underwhelming. It, it's not a bad trade by any means. It's similar with the last move. Secures the bullpen, or at least most of the bullpen, for much longer than you know than just this season or just next season. But it's one where if you're expecting more, then you might end up becoming very underwhelmed. I think it was also a reason for it to be underwhelming was because this was happening like right at the final moments of the Noah Syndergaard sweepstakes of Jays, Phillies, and then right after the John Heyman tweet, it was the Phillies, and then everything came out after that. You get the random notification that Mitchell White has been, with all due respect, has been acquired from the LA Dodgers. I'm I'm with you again on this one, Mark. In no way can I get enthusiastic. Once again, all due respect to him about this deal. Um, I guess it's you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't compare him to Yusei Kikuchi either. I mean, you look at it, he can start, he can come out of the bullpen. Is this maybe a similar kind of trade to or somebody like a Ross Stripling? I I don't know. Uh, the only thing obviously that comes to mind right away is that this is obviously bullpen depth. This is depth for pitching. Um, it'll be. We'll see if he gets a start at some point this year. I don't know. I think this is another reason why getting a starter, a starting pitching or pitcher for this team was essential moving down the line. I just think there wasn't, there still, I don't think, is enough depth. I don't think that Mitch White, of course, he provides depth. I just think that there were so many other routes they could have won on to just have much better depth in the starting rotation, in the bullpen. Uh, that's something obviously they missed out on that we've talked about already today, but. I, I don't even know if he's going to be starting in AAA Buffalo or coming up to the active roster right away. It's kind of hard to tell in terms of that because, once again, he can. it just seems like he's a guy that can be a swing man. He can go out of the bullpen. He can start. You know, he's had decent numbers throughout his 15 appearances this year with an ERA below four. You guys were talking about that earlier. I believe you were mentioning that, Mark. Uh, his whips, 1.25, you know. Not a whole lot on him, um, other than that he, I guess, he was a pick, a draft pick in the 2016, and he's 27 years old, so he hasn't been in the league for long whatsoever. I think 2020 was his rookie year, so uh, it'll be, you know, it, again, fine. It's a, it's a depth move. Uh, I can't get excited about it whatsoever when I'm seeing teams improve right behind them, and of course, most of the fan base, including you, Mark, is kind of on the same page as I am with that one, so we'll take it. It remains to be seen if we will see him out of the bullpen, if he will even be on the active roster right away. Uh, but Mitch White is coming for two prospects. Even when you say that, you can just hear the lack of enthusiasm in your voice announcing that compared to what you would be saying if it was Noah Syndergaard from the Los Angeles Angels. You're not um, wrong. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. The fact that this was coming at literally the exact same moment we saw the tweet. I think it was Jason Stark who broke the... Syndergaard news that he was going to the Phillies, and then as that was happening, we saw that the Blue Jays acquiring Mitch White and all of us just going, who the hell is that? <laughs> Which is, again, not to knock him. He fixes problems with this team. Just not as many problems as we would have liked. Um, where do you guys see him filling in? Do you see him taking Kikuji's spot in the rotation? Do you see him taking Stripling's spot in the rotation? Do you see him being a long man out of the bullpen? Or, Bryson, like you mentioned, do you see him in Buffalo to start his tenure with the Blue Jays? Staying in Buffalo is not actually a bad idea, or at least starting in Buffalo to, to begin the, the tenure. Not a terrible idea, but I think the most likely scenario, and if he does start in Buffalo, this will not be for long. 
most likely scenario is you now have multiple long men and we talk about the playoffs all the time you're now in postseason push mode the trade deadline's over if you're say you're playing a seven game series or a five game series whatever you do not need four or five starters you need four maybe i mean if you have four that's obviously great but you need three at the three to four at the absolute most three to pretty much get you through a series you now have raw stripling the and a lot of these other moves that a lot of these other new acquisitions can take over and, and be like a long man if you need to or take over four or five innings if you need to in a in any type of series scenario but i think that's the most likely scenario now you have long men you have we haven't really seen this that much this season with guys getting rocked in the first or second or third inning but if you have that happen you now have multiple guys that can do that and it's kind of all it is like you're not really going to see him get thrown into the high leverage situations i doubt they throw him in the rotation right away or really anybody in the rotation right away right now i think it's well let's see what you got before they indefinitely say you're here you're here or whatever yeah this this one for me it's just it's hard for me to have a a true understanding on this so it's more of us guessing kind of just based on where things stand um you know the bullpen pretty much the additions or the moves are going to have to be made of course to get pop and bass in there um I would say I'm just going to throw it out there. I think he starts in Buffalo for a bit until things are kind of figured out on that one in terms of the numbers and all sorted out. Of course, again, once again, they have to make a move for uh, sorry for uh, Pop and Bass. I think ideal candidates right now, when you look at it, of course, Matt Gage was just called up for probably this series, and then that might be it. I think another guy who has the potential to be sent down for Bass or Pop would be Trent Thornton. So if you take those two guys out, and then, of course, you put Pop and Bass in, um, there's not exactly an open spot in this bullpen right now. So unless, you know, I've I've seen the idea floated around a bit. I don't know how true it was. I I don't know if it is going to happen, but there was always, or there was some talk. And, of course, the reason, once again, I hate going back to this, but the reason why getting a different starter was so important because there was talk about maybe just having an extra option in the back end of the rotation for a guy like Kikuchi who has been up and down this year. I've seen other ideas potentially of we know that Alec Manoa's workload has suddenly become a topic of conversation this year. Do the Blue Jays maybe shift towards a six-man rotation time in and time out for a bit throughout the rest of the year? Maybe not consistently, but maybe the odd time. Um, So that's... I mean, that's maybe another option, but I think that's also why getting another starter was so important for that reason, like a Noah Syndergaard or whatnot. But if time goes on and, you know, Mitchell White is a guy that's thrown in here uh, to be a six-man or to kind of take over in some sort of role, I think maybe that goes on later on in the month of August at the earliest. So my ideal, barring any injuries, um, my ideal starting point for him is AAA Buffalo, and then I'm sure at some point this year, I think it's a lock that he obviously will eventually be up on the active roster within the bullpen, or again, maybe a spot start here and there. We will see him. That's the one thing that's for sure confirmed, I think, or at least it's safe to assume that, or maybe close to it. But for now, I would start him in AAA Buffalo. That's just my ideal starting point. I really don't see him starting in Buffalo. I think as much as I talk about the Blue Jays kind of treating this deadline as an opportunity to improve the team for years to come I see him as a major league ready guy if anyone's going to start in Buffalo um, and then move up to the major league team from this deadline pool I see Zach Pop being the most likely guy just because he wasn't totally fit in with the Marlins and the Blue Jays are adding a couple other arms so they're trying to figure out kind of the chess game of where to move people and who to add and who to take away. And we saw that today a little bit with Matt Gage and then Andrew Vasquez being claimed off waivers. And then um, who was it that was DFA'd? Anthony Bonda. Anthony Bonda. There we go. And then also um, Jeremy Beasley heading the other way. Sorry. So many names swirling around in my head right now. But yeah, I see Zach Pop is more likely to start in AAA and then move up to the major league team rather than Mitch White. I see Mitch White as being a major league caliber player. Um, I think odds are he's in the bullpen as a long man. Um, I don't really see the Blue Jays moving Ross Stripling for a guy that just showed up. 
especially with the success Ross Stripling has had out of the rotation. And I'm not sure I see them moving away from Yusei Kikuchi yet. I think he had those struggles, went on the injured list, came back, had a good start. I think the Blue Jays are ready to give him at least a couple starts to see if he has it. If he doesn't, yeah, maybe it's Mitch White's turn. But I think it'll take at least a couple starts to see what's up. Um, I think the possibility you mentioned of rolling with a six-man rotation is interesting because, yeah, Alec Manoa's pitch limit and inning limit is becoming an increasingly popular topic of discussion in Blue Jays' world, and it may become a problem. The Blue Jays haven't said anything about it, but it may be an issue. Um, I don't know if going with a six-man rotation is a solution. I think the Blue Jays may opt to just have him pitch less deep in starts, maybe start going five innings instead of six innings, six innings instead of seven innings, you know, kind of just cut off that extra inning at the end of the start and that would be a situation you know if you cap him at five innings where Mitch White could come in and maybe throw two to three innings every time that Alec Manoa is on the mound so maybe that's a situation he goes into I don't know but I really see him coming out of the bullpen as a long man right now I think that's where he fits best with this team Um, okay the last trade to talk about the most confusing trade to talk about the Kansas City Royals sending none other than Whit Merrifield to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for Max Castillo and Samad Taylor. Whit Merrifield is unvaccinated. <laughs> At least he was two weeks ago when the Royals came to Toronto. At that time, he said, quote, that might change down the road if something happens and I happen to get on a team that has a chance to go play in Canada and the postseason, maybe that changes. Um, the Blue Jays don't make this move without knowing that Whit Merrifield is going to get vaccinated. Like, they just don't take that risk. They're not rolling the dice and say, yeah, well, maybe he will, or maybe we'll just have him for 20 games down the stretch. Who knows? Like, the Blue Jays are not taking that gamble. The Blue Jays know for sure that he's getting vaccinated. Whether he already is vaccinated, whether he's begun that process, who knows? Um... I see that Ross Atkins is doing media availability right now. We may be finding that out. Um, it's a strange situation to be in. Who knows when he joins the team in Toronto. It will be at some point. It may be three weeks down the line. We'll find out, obviously, when that day comes. Yeah, I'm. this was one of those weird deals where we were talking about a blockbuster last-minute trade. This is it, I guess, if you're the Blue Jays. It's... It makes sense. Like you, you get you said it there. Like they don't make this move if they don't expect him to get vaccinated or potentially already be in the process of it. But I don't know. It's one where I guess the best answer I can give you is he's better than Bradley Zimmer. And I guess he's not an out. Well, he's an outfielder. You play outfield, second base, but he's a right-handed at bat, and that's the same thing. You know, towards the end of his prime. Uh, it, you know he's getting older he's in, in mid 30s at this point it's not the mo- it's it's not what i think the blue jays or at least what blue jay fans expected to be you know even just a couple of seasons ago last year 2021 162 games it was a fantastic season obviously with with all the, i mean he didn't hit that many home runs that se- or season only 10 but still it was a good season out of Whit Merrifield leading the league in games played and at bats like well doing that for three straight seasons but it's a it's not the player of a few years ago this is a different player most likely just a bench role unless unfortunately we've all kind of said it earlier but George Springer is not 100% healthy is this move made because you anticipate him not being able to play as much or at least not in the field as much and I guess the other downside to that is well then Kirk and Jansen are not going to play as much and there's a whole bunch of different things. Like if Springer truly isn't healthy, maybe this is brought in to bridge the gap between that because maybe Tapia plays more. I mean, if I, I think you go with Tapia over Whit Merrifield, at least for right now, but it's interesting because going for an outfielder that could have been, or, or that was a lot better in years past. Now put him on this team. I don't know if it necessarily makes sense unless it's part of a bigger picture. Cause like Whit Merrifield's, no offense to him by any means, but he doesn't necessarily make the team a lot better 
just for the time being. Like this is not done. Be- it's not like you go out and get Springer or you go out and trade for a couple of years ago. I think it was Melvin Upton Jr. It's not like you go out and do something like that. This is done, I think, because of a bigger picture move. And you hope that Springer's not too injured to play. I know he's obviously out of the lineup today, but let's just hope that this isn't necessarily too big of an injury, but I think it's fair to say that this is not, this move has not been done specifically for an improvement in the outfield. This is done for potentially some bigger picture move. And who knows when we see Whit Merrifield could see him soon. I mean, eventually he's been traded. Who knows how long it's going to take for him to play, but it's, uh, this is to me the biggest move that I'm like, I don't really know why you go out and do that unless you're doing it for a specific reason that that isn't just to improve the team objectively. Yeah. The, <laughs> another random trade that kind of happened right at the last second uh, with Whit Merrifield. But the one thing's for sure is I believe he technically under, or, you know, if you want to talk about vaccines, if he gets the Johnson and Johnson shot, I believe he's eligible for the upcoming homestand or if he decided to get dose one today he'd be eligible um i i find it i find it highly unlikely he did today because this is obviously a move that happened kind of last second so we don't know when he would be available for home games um probably by the end of the month or at least the middle of the month or i should say near closer to the end of the month you hope that's the case and of course in the meantime the jays are on a pretty big road trip so you're going to have him immediately for that so it's an insurance move uh, for George Springer. I think that's one way to put it. As much as Whit Merrifield maybe not may not be the player he once was, um, it's still again another insurance move. I mean, he's obviously had a really good career and he's had a lot of good seasons uh, with the Kansas City Royals. I believe last year he was an All Star and he led the league in doubles, stolen bases, and he was yeah he he let, he was an All Star. He played 162 games last year as well. So he played 162 games also actually in 2019 so that's technically three straight years if you want to include the pandemic season in 2020 where he's played a full uh, 162 game season once again has had some really good years with the Kansas City Royals but unfortunately I guess this year in particular it just hasn't been going well for him whatsoever and uh, the numbers have obviously declined on that part but he's better than what I guess they have in terms of depth in the outfield I'm fine with it Um, you know it's just the the one thing that just puts this or puts a cloud over for me is just the George Springer elbow injury I I don't know how severe it is we really don't know how severe it is it's something that obviously he's gonna have to deal with for the rest of the season so in the meantime if this is something where Springer needs an extra day off maybe more than usual or needs more time off late throughout the last part of the year you feel a lot more comfortable with having Whit Mirrorfield on your roster and of course barring any other injuries in terms of depth uh, you like where you are on that one so once again in a name that none of us obviously imagined because of the vaccination status. He was one of those 10 players who weren't with the Kansas City Royals prior to the All-Star break in the series in Toronto. So that's why I guess just this name was never something that we ever considered. Of course, the other thing too is I think we were all kind of fixated on the fact that they needed a left-handed at-bat. What Mirafield is obviously a right-handed at-bat. So for those reasons alone, it was a random pickup. But at the same time, it's not awful. It's fine. It's just, it all goes back from what Mark and I were saying at the beginning. And it's something that still is stuck in my head. And it's hard for me to just escape it is that it's not, it just feels like this team didn't do enough to close that gap this year. So, I mean, I think John Morosi had a quote on Blue Jay Central. Mark, I know how you feel about him, but it's hard to argue with what he said. And he basically said the same thing about the gap got wider in terms of it being smaller in this race. And it just felt feels like they could have done so much more, but they didn't. And I guess the only thing that we can hope for now uh, because of this underwhelming trade deadline is that this team continues to play well. They get in the postseason like we hope they will, and they surprise people, and they go on that run that we've been imagining for quite some time now. So that's the one thing. I guess at this point, all we have left to do is pretty much to have hope for this team and to have confidence that they could get it done. Let's hope so, and let's hope that we get to a point at the end of the year where we don't even need to really reflect on the trade deadline because of how good this team played at the latter part of the season. That's just my optimistic, best-case scenario kind of vision right now. Will it go that way? 
I don't know. I, I really don't know. But in terms of going back, sorry, to the Whitmere full trade, it's an insurance move, and I think all of us were not maybe thrilled with it, but I think we're fine with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it makes the team better. And just to wrap up the vaccination stuff, Ross Atkins did comment on it in his press conference. He said, quote, this is a very fresh acquisition. Because of that, not going to comment on that more and let him work through that with his family. I guess you can interpret that however you want, but to me that says he's not vaccinated yet. No. Uh, which is... I, <laughs> I don't like that you quote. Have to, you have I to assume know. he's getting it, though. You have to assume. Y- yes. Eventually. But the fact that he isn't yet, and like, yeah, you mentioned Johnson & Johnson, maybe that solves things. If he's getting Moderna or Pfizer... We're lucky that the Blue Jays are on a extended road trip right now. Two against Tampa Bay, four against Minnesota, three against Baltimore. I mean, but that's still only 10 days till they return home on, what is it, August The Angels' homestand. That might be the earliest for him, at least I'm saying, in terms of a timetable. Yeah. Like, that's not good. When you talk about the fact that you're getting this guy for, you know, 40 games down the stretch... I guess more than that, 50 games down the stretch. And you're talking about him missing 10 to 15 games already? Not ideal. Not ideal for the Blue Jays. But vaccination status aside, because there are a lot of questions there right now. And, you know, who knows? Maybe the Blue Jays are just saying that because they want Whit Merrifield to answer the question and say, yeah, I got the vaccine or whatever it may be. Who knows? Um, Or... Flip side of things, maybe the Blue Jays panicked and made a deal with their backs against the wall and didn't totally figure out all the ramifications of it until right now and are just hoping and praying that he's going to get vaccinated. I don't know. Bottom line, performance on the field, assuming he is on the field most of the games, he will help this team. It's something that the Blue Jays need. We talked about it with Ian Happ. The Ian Happ deal made so much sense, yes, because he's a left-handed bat, but also just because he fills a need for this team. The Blue Jays needed more outfield depth. They needed guys behind people like George Springer, if George Springer gets injured, to fill that gap. And Ian Happ was someone who can do that. Whit Merrifield can do that. Yes, he's not having an ideal season. He got off to a poor start. Um, But since May 1st, he's doing a little bit better. He's been... Batting 266, 316, 397 slash line, 712 OPS over that span, six home runs, 12 steals on 15 tries, um, can fill in at second base, can fill it at center field. Like, there are good things. And we talked about it, Bryson, you mentioned All Star last year. Like, he is coming off a good season, bad start to the year, but who knows what happens next. So, Good deal, ignoring the vaccination stuff. When you start to bring that in, it might get a little bit questionable. And our I'm, our answers are going to be, our questions are going to be answered over the next two weeks, regardless of whether it's in the positive direction or the negative direction. But questionable, regardless. It's an interesting deal to come in, what was it, like 6.05? And I think all of our reactions were the same. It was, what the hell are the Blue Jays doing right now? <laughs> Lots to unpack, and it's a hell of a way to end the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, if you were expecting anything like last season, or even to a lesser extent 2020, you didn't necessarily get that, but I think part of it is, and I go back to what I say at the very beginning, I think management truly does think that this team can at least get into the playoffs, because last season, yeah, if you don't make those moves, you probably do definitely need it, need those those boosts, but... This this season, I think they can go without making huge moves. Now, that easily could backfire. And do I think they beat the Yankees in a five or seven game series or the Dodgers? Absolutely not. But I think the team is at least, and this is maybe the wrong mindset to have, but the team is at least good enough to get into the playoffs right now. I, I think that was primarily what was but the driving But that's not the question. Like, they were always good enough to get into the playoffs. Yeah. If they don't make a single deal, I still think they make the playoffs. But it's getting past the first round. It's beating the Yankees or the Astros in the division series. That's the problem right now. And the Blue Jays are not going to do that with the deals yeah. that they've made. No, and that's why I'm saying maybe that's the right mindset or the wrong mindset to have. Because now you look at it and you're getting into it. But 
are you gonna are you gonna pull a Leafs and and just not make it past the first round because of this? But <laughs> I know you guys don't like that. I, I had to pull that in there after you said the first round, but whatever. It could be the complete wrong mindset to have, but at the end of the day, this team is still good. It's still gonna make the playoffs. Well, most actually. I don't really think I can say anything because you guys are going to say that I said they're not going to, but whatever. Anyways, the team is good, could have been a lot better, but relatively speaking or just internally speaking, it's not a terrible trade deadline for them. It's fine. Um, It's just, it goes back to basically the same thing. And I just, for me, for just having to, I just, just to bring up what you were talking about, Jacob, the point you're trying to make about just being good enough to get in the playoffs, it just... I, I, as a fan, have a hard time getting myself around the fact that we went from this team could easily win the World Series to, you know what, it's they'll get in the playoffs. I mean, that's fine, right? So I just, I have a hard time changing from that. Like, I just feel like you can't forget what we were saying throughout the lockout, throughout the spring. The expectations were through the roof. The excitement was through the roof. But, and now we're just going to sit here and concede, oh, we're fine with them making the playoffs. That's not good enough for me. It shouldn't be good enough for a team in a competitive window, especially with the talent they have, which is why the only thing that you can hope for for the rest of the way, which is once again, from what I said before, is that you hope that they continue to roll despite the roster pretty much staying put despite a couple additions in the bullpen, a depth move, and of course a move for the bench. Despite that, you hope they continue to play well. You hope that they can get in the playoffs, and you hope that from there they can go on that run. I just... I have a hard time going from this team can win 100 games to winning the AL East to going to the Do- against the Dodgers in the World Series. So you know what? Them settling for a wild card spot, maybe getting in and having a good run, that, that that's good enough. For me, it's not, which is why, as a fan's perspective, probably we did get the wrong idea, obviously, again, from what we said at the beginning. Just maybe the wrong idea from where this team was this year. And um that's the case. That's just why it makes it disappointing or a little a little bit underwhelming for me. It just I also want to make it very clear, of course, they did get better. You can't knock them for that. You, it's hard and as much as, you know, the way I sounded talking about Mitch White, can't knock him at, at all either here. He's coming over here and he's gonna have a, a depth role. He's gonna have a role potentially starting games down the stretch. I'm not here to knock anybody, it's just the expectation level was very high and it was just an underwhelming trade deadline in my opinion but at the same time the bullpen did get better just to get to some listener responses before we share our final grades on the trade deadline um kind of runs the gambit of what you would expect um k clark saying complete disappointment nathan rogers saying very very underwhelming really only touched a bit on the bullpen situation jay Cybulski said underwhelmed really needed to address our starting pitching Matt said extremely underwhelming more needed to be done to address issues with this team Leland said not happy and Alex Mercer said very average which might be the most positive review for this deadline you could possibly have (laughs) can't complain about many of the acquisitions and white looks interesting so it seems like a lot of fans are negative about this deadline, which I think is pretty obvious. Um, just going around the horn here, what grade would you give the Blue Jays for this trade deadline? I think everything that I've said makes this pretty obvious, but I give it a C plus. I'm going to give it, uh, and I mean, I've been very optimistic all episode, but I'm going to give it a B in the sense that you would take it, could have been better, you would like it to be better, but you'll take what you got. I'll be the most pessimistic one. I'm going to give it just a regular C. Um, You know why? I pretty much explained it. Mark, you were going through listening responses. I haven't found one person say, despite Jacob, with all due respect, that this was a (laughs) successful trade deadline. Maybe I'm just not reading enough. Maybe there are more people that have the same opinion as Jacob. I'm sure there are. It just, I've had a hard time seeing that. And for me, it... The team is a lot better, yes, which is why you know I'm being just obviously very pessimistic with this, but the bullpen's better. There's a few things that are better. It's just right now on paper, I hope, and I hope to gosh to be wrong by the end of the year. And of course, I think all of us, or at least Mark and I want to be wrong about this, but it just it doesn't seem like it's enough. And uh, for that, that's why I got to give it a C. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for this to be enough to win the World Series. 100%. 
but it's not going to be. <laughs> like it's underwhelming. That I guess that's the word that we can use to wrap up this podcast. Underwhelming trade deadline, despite what Jacob might think. Um, okay. I'm just saying it could be enough. It's not. It, it could be. No, it's it, it's not going. It to could be. be, but it won't. Um. Okay. <laughs> I think we're all gonna go watch the Jays game, and then we're all gonna pass out for a million years to recover from this deadline. We'll be back maybe tomorrow night, maybe Wednesday morning, or excuse me, Thursday morning after this Tampa Bay series. We may take a break just because of this podcast and instead only record after the Minnesota series. We'll see what happens. Um, Regardless, thank you for listening to this episode. As always, you can stay up to date with everything we're doing by following us on social media. That's at Section138Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, and you can support us by just giving us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hell of a past week for the Jays. Let's keep it going. We'll catch you next time.